You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Well, hello, day after the draft. Some of you people out there might have stayed up a little bit a little bit late. We're here at the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I'm here with a jazzed-up individual, Matthew I already got a tattoo of AJ Brown on my butt. Bets. Can't confirm. Both cheeks. It is there. <laughs> Good morning, Kyle. Um, man, I I am so excited about this AJ <laughs> Brown trade. Uh, currently wearing an Eagles hat. I am currently using a coffee mug with an Eagles logo on it. Actually, shout out to our boy Ketron. Uh, he got me a little while ago an Eagles themed football that lives on my desk i mean it is all eagles over here all the time i just wrote up the fantasy reaction piece it is on the website to the trade um so i'm ecstatic i'm I'm very excited about the aj brown move but i would be lying if it was bittersweet a little bit based off of how those you know five six seven picks went from let's say pick 10 to pick 18 so Yes, guys, you can already feel it. Betts is essentially on 30 cups of coffee is what he, what he where he's at right now. We're going to call him two-cheek Betts because of those tattoos. We need some picks, or it didn't happen. But, yes, we're going to react to what happened on day one of the draft. If you're like, hey, why is this not in my feed early in the morning? Well, we didn't want to give you outdated content. We wanted to give you the stuff that really matters. So we're going to give you some emotional reactions I'll share some of my stages of grief. And then from a betting perspective, that's really what we're going to give here is from a betting perspective, here's what happened in round one. We're going to talk about how the markets moved. I mean, I can't wait to talk about Trayvon Walker. And here's where it was a month ago. Here's what it was two months ago. Actually, here's where it was on Monday of this week. Like that's when he became the betting favorite. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some day two stuff and then just process in general about betting and for some of you if this is your first time really getting into betting on the NFL draft or betting in general then there's some principles to take away so I'm excited to talk about that but yeah let's get into the emotional roller coaster that you felt as somebody who looks at this for a living but you know you could share some of your fandom talk to me about AJ Brown oh for sure man yeah it was it was a wild uh several minutes there from you know, looking at what was going to happen in the top 10, um, we hit on a bunch of the wagers we gave out on the show and in the article on the site in the top 10 picks. That was pretty exciting. And then, of course, the one that we have been talking about for weeks, everyone in the company was in on this, was Jamison Williams to go in the top 10. 
put out the prayer circle uh, on Twitter. If you follow me, you saw that. We were hoping it would happen. And then it didn't happen. But then the Eagles made a trade to come up to pick 13. And I said, okay, this is where we get even on the emotional status for bets. You know, super sad. It didn't happen. We didn't cash that ticket. But Jamison Williams is about to be an Eagle. This is great. All of a sudden, the Lions take Jamison Williams, and I am just distraught. I mean, everyone's texting me, Bets, are you okay? Um, you know, and for a while, I, I didn't think I was going to be. And then, out of nowhere, Howie makes this deal, pulls it off, goes against A.J. Brown, gives up the 18th pick, and I think it was the 101st overall pick uh, to get him, and they sign him to a long-term deal. So, $100 million. Uh, yeah, exactly. $100 million, 57 guaranteed. Uh, it was just a wild ride of emotions <laughs> for about 20 minutes. Um, but I'm super excited, obviously, as you can tell. And I think, you know, looking at this from a betting perspective and from a fantasy perspective, the Eagles certainly, uh, you would say, in the betting markets were winners. They went from, I think it was 45 to 1 to win the Super Bowl to 35 to 1 just with the trade. So the betting market is certainly telling us that we should expect more from the Eagles this year. Uh, so that makes me very happy. I believe the the statement that you sent out in Slack was, my soul has left my body. You were in all caps. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's an exciting moment. I mean, around here when DeAndre Hopkins got traded, the, the I mean, it was hysterical. But for you, Eagles fans in general, it's I mean, it's got to be super exciting. And I believe you guys still have your first round picks for next year. That is correct. pretty crazy to be able to pull off something like that in terms of just how it works in football and GMs. And so, yes, bets, bets had a good day. Uh, Jordan Davis is a monster. I think you're going to, I mean, fans are going to love him too. He's just really fun. Big boy from, from Georgia. I, I'll share some of mine. We'll get into Jamison Payne a little bit later. Uh, so just my emotional reaction was my whole family. We're wearing our Falcon stuff. My boys, I put it on social media, wearing their Falcon stuff. It's the first time they've ever been able to stay up and watch the draft because we're West coast. And at first they're like, why aren't the Falcons on the board? So I was like, Hey, you got to wait till pick eight. So then my boys just left. And then I told them when we were about to pick. And of course I wanted in my heart, Jamison Williams to go there for a number of reasons for my pocketbook for <laughs> your uh, pocketbook. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what are you an 80 year old woman <laughs> for I am. No, I, I wanted it for a number of reasons. I wanted the Alabama narrative. If I would have been a betting person in that moment, I would have bet on Drake London because all signs in the last two or three days were that he was the guy they prefer. Um, and I can give some more fantasy takes at a, at a different time. I'm just really curious of how a contested catch guy is going to be used in an offense where that's not even Marcus Mariota's game, and he's not going to be the long-term solution at quarterback. But if you look at Atlanta Falcons football last year, nobody was open. Like that, that was the problem. It was like, there's no separation at all. And so it's a different offense. It's a different time. You're not going to get a Falcons team. That's going to throw the ball 40 times. Like you might not even get a team that throws 30 times. They're going to try to win ugly. And that's not my favorite brand of football, but I'm at this stage now, people, maybe you're with this, with your team where you've moved from anger and denial. Like maybe you're a Patriots fan. You're like Cole strange was not on the board. For anyone there, Bill Belichick. But you move from anger and denial to now I'm at bargaining. Where, hey, the Falcons, they didn't take a quarterback. Great job, guys. This this was a great move. So it's more about what we didn't do 
than actually what we did. But I should be excited about Drake London, right? I like Drake London's game. I'm just confused how they use the two, uh, the people already called it the Twin Towers, in Kyle Pitts and Drake London because Kyle Pitts isn't really a tight end, of course. You know, he lines up in the slot a lot, out wide. Well, like, if Drake London is going to be your big slot wide receiver, which maybe he's not, maybe he'll play on the perimeter, but I just find it interesting to see how those two fit together. I, obviously, it could work out. I think Drake London's a exciting guy for fantasy, and, you know, I think... I'm with you. I think Williams or maybe one of the other wide receivers would have complimented Pitts better. But in three years, if we look back and you're wearing a Drake London jersey, I will not be surprised. It's like, oh, we're going to dominate in the red zone. The problem is you have to get to the red zone. And when Alameda Zacchaeus is your slot wide receiver, that's really all you got to work with. So, well, I, I want to take away my Falcon stuff. We don't need to talk about them anymore. But the Eagles will probably talk about uh, a lot. But quick couple of announcements. After the NFL draft, Betts and I will be giving some win totals, uh, talking about the markets and how to forecast. We'll talk about forecasting the NFL next week. Also, you can put this on your calendars. I know Betts does. At some point, he's going to be a dad in the next month or two. Who knows? uh, With twins. So, uh, yeah, we got some good stuff going on. And then in June is when you and I get to give our full attention to best ball and our best ball primer comes out June 1st. We will be having regular best ball drafts on discord so if you're a join the foot member you get into an exclusive elite crew of people along with papa josh our community manager to do some best ball and we're going to be flying uh doing those all the time i know it's something you're really excited about to interact with people on discord oh yeah man it's another way to just get to know us better and us get to know you better and just interact and have fun best part of fantasy is drafting so we're going to do it together all summer yeah hop up in discord i feel like in the last you know, a couple months. I've used it a little bit more with some of our listeners, and it's been a ton of fun to get to know you guys. So yeah, if you're not in, hop in. Um, I've loved it, and I can't wait to draft with you guys this summer. Yep. You can go to jointhefoot.com if you want to be a part of that and get the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus, where you get all of our best ball rankings. You get the DFS pass included. You get the Dynasty pass. Um, we're giving it out at a stupid, stupid rate. I still I still feel like we need to have a intervention meeting with Andy, Mike, and Jason and tell them why are you giving this away at this price to these people? They're stealing from you. They're, people are stealing from our company. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. That's how it goes. Yeah, we, we made the joke last year. Cheaper than Netflix. If you break it down on a monthly basis, uh, that is still true. <laughs> so we'll, we'll work on that. We'll try to raise the price. I mean, we got to raise the prices, right? That's the point. I mean, hey, I got two kids to feed. So come on. All right. We're going to get into some of our thoughts of round one from a betting perspective. Hey, rookie. Welcome to the NFL. So the months leading up to the NFL draft, you and I, Bets, have given a number of different thoughts on betting strategy, on here's why in the NFL teams draft this way. We've talked about draft needs. We've done a mock draft. And now we actually saw it come to fruition. Uh, hopefully you at home, if you were setting you know, if you if you were in it on any of the things we talked about, maybe it was even Jameson Williams. It was a good sweat. It was entertaining. Um, hopefully, you're at a point now where you can get some perspective, and maybe you need a day or two. Because I think with Jameson, I still need a little bit of a uh, moment. So we'll talk about that in a second. But before we get fully into the betting market, I want to just get your quick take on the fantasy reaction. I know we talked about the emotional reaction, but fantasy reactions for the Eagles trading for AJ Brown and the Cardinals trading for Hollywood Brown. 
So if you're if your name was Brown, you might have gotten traded. <laughs> it seems that way. Yeah, we'll start with the Eagles. I mean, the obvious takeaway here is like Jalen Hurts, my goodness. You know, we obviously talk about the rushing upside that he provides from a ceiling and floor perspective. Now you get one of the best uh, yak wide receivers in the league who's highly efficient in A.J. Brown to pair him with Devonta Smith, who I think they complement each other perfectly. So if you're talking about like one of the biggest winners from day one of the draft, Jalen Hurts for fantasy, my yes. goodness, um, is awesome. At the same time, we have to be real with ourselves. This is not good for Dallas Goddard, Devonta Smith. Honestly, maybe even A.J. Brown. I mean, no offense was more run-heavy in neutral situations down the stretch than the Eagles were last year. And so if Jalen Hurts is running the football and they're going to keep with the ground game, where is the volume coming from? So I have major concerns about that for the pass catchers. But for Jalen Hurts, you add in this playmaker. I mean, it's an obvious fantasy winner. Yeah, let me let me focus in on that because my main reaction, too, was like, okay, this is a really cool, like for a team perspective, awesome trade. For fantasy, when we talk about you know, stacking this team and I think they're going to be competitive, right? They were a playoff team this past year. I feel like there's going to be weeks where you don't know who the person is to stack with Hertz. And he's someone that you can single stack because he runs the ball. So in terms of ceiling for best ball, are those three players capped? Like the three players that we think of this offense, we haven't even talked about Miles Sanders, but Devonta Smith, AJ Brown, Dallas Goddard, are, like do any of them have, you know, does Brown have top 10 ceiling anymore? Does Dallas Goddard have top five of the position? I just think because tight end is so bad that it could still happen for Goddard if he looks his way into the touchdown department. But yeah, it's tough to see the ceiling, honestly. I mean, I know saying that about a talented wide receiver like Brown can be scary, but you have to tell yourself a story. And I think you have to correlate your best ball exposure if you are going to go this route. If you're saying Jalen Hurts is a winner because he runs the ball and then gets these weapons... Like that negatively hurts all the pass catchers. So I'm with you. This is not a team that I'm aggressively double, triple stacking kind of idea. I think that you're hoping to find the right side of variance with one of the wide receivers and, and pass catchers. And obviously, if you're picking one, no doubt you're putting your money on AJ Brown based off the contract he got uh, just this past you know couple of days. So I think that's my immediate takeaway. Do you feel any different about the ceiling for those pass catchers? I'm interested in where Devonta Smith goes in terms of being a value. Yeah, I, I just think with A.J. Brown, like I would say his situation in terms of target share is worse in terms of yeah, what it, where it was in Tennessee. Like there, Tennessee wasn't a high-volume team, so you talk about it that way. But if Devonta Smith slips, I mean, he was fine as a rookie. In fact, I would say there's a lot of encouraging signs. He's, I think, still can be an elite player. It's just you're not going to get the volume that you want. Like if this was a team that had Justin Herbert as the quarterback, you would be talking about both of those guys as top 20 type players. And right now, like A.J. Brown, I can't even say that he's a top 12 wide receiver for me. And I'll have to look at the rankings and see is like top 15. But if he's elevated because of this trade, then that's an easy fade for me uh, to move on. I'm more interested, we'll talk about it later, about Miles Sanders because he feels like the guy that's forgotten. He's in a contract year, I get it. Uh, but I feel like there's some value there with him, Kenneth Gainwell. But let's talk about Hollywood. Hollywood goes to the desert. He joins me here. I haven't seen him yet, but I, hopefully we can talk. College teammates with Kyler Murray. He's got two years, so he's got a fifth-year option available. So I think from a team-building perspective, I totally get it. Instead of rolling the dice, hoping a wide receiver's there at 23, I like that from Arizona. They're also not having to pay him 
the way that they're paying AJ Brown, like he's still at a spot where people aren't sure is 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 he a hit in the NFL draft? Like I think he's a good player, but this is a good change of scenery. My question is, why did Steve Kime get another small wide receiver? Like that's the only thing that he has eyes for. It seems that way, and yeah, they were mocked a lot uh, with the Penn State wide receiver Jahan Dotson, who is a little undersized relative to the Traylon Burks of the world in this draft class, but. Um, I actually really like the fit. I think he compliments DeAndre Hopkins extremely well. And, you know, Kyler was one of the best deep ball passers in the league last year. Obviously, they lose Christian Kirk in free agency to a deal that just completely set the market <laughs> crazy with the wide receivers uh, in Jacksonville. But, you know, you lose him, you bring in Hollywood, who obviously has speed and can win downfield. And I think it really sets up well to help complement DeAndre Hopkins and elevate the ceiling again for Kyler Murray, who I feel like. I don't know what your take is, Kyle. I feel like in general, the public has kind of soured on him as far as like the new hotness at the top of the quarterback market. Like last year, he was going as the quarterback one or two in almost every draft. And now in the early best balls I've done, again, this is before last night, um, I was getting him at like quarterback five, quarterback six. So I'm pretty interested if that ADP holds to to go in heavily on Kyler this year. I'm interested. I'm interested from a stacking perspective. I mean, this team's leading downfield receiver last year was AJ Green. And it actually worked. That's the crazy part. Like for the most part, there was some connection that actually happened, especially early on in the year when Kyler was quarterback one for the first seven weeks. But over the course of the year, he tied Tom Brady. You mentioned it in terms of deep completions and Kyler was hurt. You know, Kyler missed, you know, a lot of time. So I like this. I like it from a, uh, reviving Hollywood Brown perspective. If you were out and you thought like, I haven't been dynasty and I was like, sweet, like this gives me some energy to hope for something. So yeah, I think it's a good connection and I'm excited to talk about him because last year was like, you could go with Christian Kirk, you could go with AJ Green, but you never felt like there was a ceiling outcome for those players week to week after, uh, you know, week seven when Hopkins was gone. So I feel like with Hollywood, there's going to be weeks where he goes off for 102 and those are the kind of games that you need. So Yes, those are the big trades. There's probably going to be more as we move on uh, throughout the next couple of days for the draft. But let's talk about the draft from a betting perspective. Which franchise, in your opinion, improved their outlook the most from a betting market perspective? Yeah, this is one I want to reference from our show two weeks ago. I mentioned I want to see what the Saints do in this draft, and I think it's going to tell us a lot about how we can value them in the futures market. One wager that you and I talked about was at plus 160 for the Saints to make the playoffs. I said, I want this bet, but I'm going to wait until the draft happens and see what they do. They did not take quarterback. They took an offensive lineman and they traded up for Chris Alave, who I think is a good fit there alongside of Michael Thomas. So I like that. I think that that definitely helps their chances of making the playoffs. Um, Still not interested in them for like, you know, NFC winner or Super Bowl or anything like that. Um, So I'm interested in the, to make the playoffs at yes with plus money. I also like what the Ravens did. Despite the trade of Marquise Brown, I like the value they got, and I like the player they got in Kyle Hamilton, who feels like a value in the draft. So we've been on the Ravens all year. Their moves, I feel like, maybe helped a little. They didn't do a ton to change things, but um, but I like what they did. I like their moves, and I think they got a lot of value with the Marquise Brown trade. I'm going to throw out the NFC East in general. Like The Eagles made the biggest splash, but I feel like the division as a whole, like last year it was like, Cowboys and then the Eagles kind of like stumbled their way in the playoffs somehow this year I feel like it's going to be a competitive division I like what the Giants did Kayvon Thibodeau Evan Neal 
thought that was pretty solid. They still have a chance to, you know, take a quarterback if they want Malik Willis. I mean, they declined the fifth year option on Daniel Jones. So I like what they did there. Um, I'm still kind of curious with Washington, but I think they're seven, eight win team. Um, so NFC East interesting. And then we got to mention the jets getting three first round picks, but three players that a lot of people had all as top 10 picks is kind of insane. Like, I wonder if teams looked at the jets and said, I see what they're doing. Let's just let them have this. Like, I, I didn't really understand what Jermaine Johnson on the board. He slipped and maybe there's some things that teams found out about him, but other than him being older, the production was there and some people had him as like a top 10 pick. So you got to like what the Jets did. There's not a lot of reasons to ever be encouraged by the Jets, but those picks made sense to me. I think we both said we loved Sauce. We'll talk about him in a second, but we, we for a long time we said Sauce at four to the Jets was a very real possibility. And we also had Garrett Wilson for a while going there at 10. So those, those are teams we like from a betting perspective. My question about your Eagles, take off your fan hat for a second. Do Never. you do you feel like they're elevated higher than they should be in the betting market in terms of like Super Bowl? Yeah, they had a pretty sizable jump in odds in terms of them more likely to win than they were two days ago. Um, it does seem like a little bit of an overreaction just because, you know, like a lot still has to go right for those things to hit and... Jalen Hurts still has to take a step forward. Like it's not an automatic A plus B equals C just because they got AJ Brown doesn't mean Jalen Hurts is a Super Bowl winning caliber quarterback. I mean, he's going to have to take another huge step forward this year like he did last year a little bit. So yeah, it might be a little bit of an overreaction. I think there's some value in them in the NFC East market personally. I think it was at plus 275 or plus 300. I can't remember exactly, but uh, I'm interested in that. I'm not really in on their long shot odds though, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's talk about some of the bigger wins in terms of what we shared on the show, our free article. Uh, I'll just say from the get-go, and this is across, this isn't just us, I felt like books got destroyed on the quarterback market this year. I mean, obviously, Kenny Pickett was the only one that went at 20th overall. At some point, Malik Willis was number two overall. Like, he was the favorite to go number two overall to Lions, and not to tutor on horn, but we just... We said, don't even get close to that. There's no chance that he's going number two to the Lions. So the bet that we shared on the show was on FanDuel, you can get it at bet MGM, was under three and a half quarterbacks, all right? I mean, it smashed. Like, it, it completely destroyed. And I found this statistic, 94% of the money bet on this, on over-under on quarterbacks for bet MGM was on the under. So, like... They got destroyed on this because it wasn't even close to to three or four. Yeah, and it was an abnormal year. You know, normally we see at least two quarterbacks, oftentimes three, just because of the value of the position in the NFL and in real, you know, uh, real football. So it was an anomaly, but I think the the takes were correct, or at least they seemed like they were correct that this class isn't strong, and so the teams definitely didn't bite. They didn't, you know, just spend a first round pick on a quarterback because they're a quarterback. There's a lot that I think we'll see go in round two, especially in the first like 20 picks tonight. Um, but yeah, it was it was wild to see that number come out at three and a half. And obviously, Kenny Pickett, the only one off the board. Let's talk about Sauce Gardner. I feel like he's been one of the one of the main people for this show that we've talked about. First off, the drip on that chain that he was wearing. Oh, dude, so cool. That was the coolest chain I've ever seen. I mean, I feel like we need to find one of those like a really like 
janky like black market version that's definitely not worth anything and and give that to one of our listeners yes that costs twenty dollars instead of twenty million <laughs> yes so <laughs> sauce gardener was somebody that our first initial bet that we felt very strongly about was under eight and a half and that quickly moved to it closed at five and a half which is kind of shocking to me it was there because of the way that Derek Stingley moved but sauce gardener some people said he was the best player in this draft. The Jets got him at four. So that was one that you and I felt very strongly about. And I actually put a little screenshot in here for you, Bets, just to show you. I forgot that I bet it. And then I bet it again. And then I totally <laughs> forgot that I bet it again on FanDuel, uh, Sauce Gardner to go top five. So I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> I bet you are. I remember we talked about that on the show, actually. You were like, I like this bet so much that I want to bet it again. And I said... I can see it twice. I said, be careful for three, but don't listen to me. I'm glad you did. Uh, that must have looked good this morning when you logged in. I totally, I totally forgot on FanDuel that I had done it there. And then I'll just say at the very end, Derek Stingley gained so much steam. Betts was all over this a while back. He said, you know, I mean, his line was 12 and a half, and the Vikings were the kind of the favorite spot to get him. In the last two weeks, he moved up so much that there was some value. So I actually hedged against my Sauce Gardner takes by taking Derek Stingley at top five, and I end up hitting on both, which I did not foresee happening. That's great, man. Yeah, he he did. His stock rose. It was crazy. Uh, yeah, from 12 and a half. And it, literally, it was like within hours of him testing at the pro day to show that he was recovered from his foot injury. Uh, immediately, money started coming in on the under, and we saw it get all the way up to top five or even three and a half. Uh, he was the odds-on favorite to go number three by the time the draft kicked off on Thursday night. All right, before we continue talking about the betting market and the draft, let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. 
We got a new little ad break ditty there. That was fun. I wasn't expecting that. That's all Mike. Mike is the oh, uh, beautiful is the man behind the guitar. Uh, so talking about these bets and the markets, here's, here were, I was thought this was interesting. This is an article on ESPN, but the most bet on markets by tickets were, number one, people talked about first overall pick. That makes sense. And there was a ton of movement there, which we'll talk about Trayvon Walker. Then people bet on the second and the third pick because – if you knew where one was going, then there was a logic of, well, Hutchinson's going two. And uh, three ended up being very different than the majority of our time. Like, you know, we just always pegged an offensive tackle to go there to Houston. Derek Stingley at the very end moved up. Uh, first drafted wide receiver and Kayvon Thibodeau. Those were the most popular things to bet on. And it's interesting because all of those kind of set up the domino effect i felt like the top 10 made sense to me like when i looked at the top 10 the way that it was laid out the way that teams picked like i felt like it was pretty much in line with what we thought like if carolina didn't pick a quarterback we were like okay well then it's going to be a Quanu or it's going to be you know charles cross uh but did you feel that way about the top 10 overall yeah i think it became very clear by you know tuesday wednesday this past week that it seemed like there was a likely it was direction so it was clear going. after the draft, you know, so clear, so obvious. Everyone knew that was going to happen. Um, but I mean, there was a lot of if this, then this will happen scenario. So there was at least twenty combinations that I would have been like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but yes, I agree with you that it did kind of seem to come to fruition the way a lot of people thought it would in the first five picks, and then there was a little bit of uncertainty at you know eight, nine, ten, kind of what would happen. But in hindsight, it does make a lot of sense, and these are you know, picks and a lot of mocks that had them there for months. The only guy that really gained steam was Stingley. The other guys were all kind of in the top 10. So it was a bit of a question mark in terms of the order, but the players going there, I feel like we were pretty, uh, pretty on. Let's talk about the closing value picks, picks that went from long shots to just, wow, this, this became a favorite. And we had to talk about Trayvon Walker going number one overall over the course of the year. So since July, there were nine different players that were, you could have bet as the favorite at number one overall. So way back in July, you could have bet Spencer Rattler as the favorite to go number one. You could have bet. That's so wild. <laughs> Sam Howell. So Spencer Rattler went from favorite to go number one to transferring, transferring, losing his job at Oklahoma. And now he's at uh, South Carolina. So wild ride for him. Uh, Sam Howell was a favorite. Thibodeau and Hutchinson were favorites for a while. And then uh, remember when Evan Neal was the favorite, buddy? I try to forget it, but you just brought it back up again. Yeah, that was an L for sure. That was a uh, a fun ride while it happened. I will say, when it did happen, we were like, "Oh, we're on the right side of this." He, oh, was, yeah. ne- he was minus money, <laughs> and then like two days later, it was like we have made a terrible mistake. <laughs> so I looked at the odds for Trayvon Walker, and in February, so just two months ago, he wasn't even listed. Like you couldn't have bet him on DraftKings or at certain sites as like even like 10,000 to one. Like he wasn't on the board. I don't think I've seen something like that in a while. And he didn't flip as the favorite until Monday. And then he closed at minus 450. So I think we kind of need some context here because that's super abnormal. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember a draft in recent memory that you didn't know who the first pick was going to be like two weeks out. You know, like obviously last year, with Trevor Lawrence, people knew that from like September of the year before. And then Joe Burrow, that was known from like January on the year before that. So it's it's wild. I mean, 
I think if you were on some of the Hutchinson stuff when he was plus money, I think that still was a good bet. I mean, I think obviously we didn't expect this to happen. The books had no clue this was going to happen. So if you bet one of these guys to go first and you got it at plus 300, plus 450 for like Icky to go first, I still think that's a good bet. Obviously didn't hit, but um, no one was on this. And so you shouldn't feel bad if you didn't get this one right. I think I was fortunate enough that there was a certain point where I wasn't betting Hutchinson to go number one. I didn't I didn't know what to do. So I said, well, the only way to do that is to then, we talked about this on the show, is to pair Hutchinson over one and a half with Walker going one. And that, and and so I, I saved myself a little bit of Evan Neal shame uh, by kind of backing there. So I, I don't know if it was the right pick. I don't, I personally would have taken Hutchinson or taken a tackle, but it's not up to me. It's not up to me at all. Uh, let's, let's go in a little bit further to probably what you and I felt the most pain about, uh, yesterday. Oh no. I, I, I need to just let, let this loose. Jameson. Just let Williams. it run, man. Let it run. Jameson Williams was there for the taking people. Jets. You could have taken him at four. Giants. You have a lot of wide receivers. You could have taken him at five or seven. Falcons. He was there at eight. And when he got to the Jets at 10, I knew it was over. I just, I just, I knew in my heart the dream was no longer really there. So, bet You know what I did when it got to pick 10? What'd you do? I couldn't watch it. I, I was like, I'm going to go do some dishes. I'm going to come back and just see if it happened. And uh, it didn't. But yeah, what a wild ride that was, man. I, that would have been huge <laughs> to have him go top 10 when we were talking about it at plus 1,500. Uh, that would have been fun. I, I was explaining to my wife about how things unfold and the different scenarios. And I said, well, we've got this ticket for top five. And it's gained a lot of steam. Here's the thing, people. Closing value does not mean anything to your wife unless it hits. And it did not hit <laughs> at all. So, yeah, it, I will say this. Just in terms of process, it feels great that the NFL confirmed that he was a wanted player. And top 10 was super close. Like, it was right there. You know, it was Wilson, Olave, Jamison Williams, all back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. And so it was close, uh, but it did not pad our bank accounts or pocketbooks out there for i was i was speaking to the elderly of course because that's a huge demographic i feel like i feel like we're mostly hitting people that are 80 and above uh just throwing away their retirement uh (laughs) on picks like that uh all right let's move on about the longest odds in the sports book uh so what were some that you would say hit uh, that you were not so much shocked but like wow there's good value on this yeah, I think once the Trayvon Walker stuff came out, that it was like, okay, it seems pretty clear he's going to be the first one taken. You could still get the exact order. You had to hit them all three of Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, and Derek Stingley Jr. at number three. And we had a listener in our Discord DM me last night in the DFS channel that said like, hey, man, we hit. Thanks. And I was like, whoa, I didn't even bet this. Like, I should have bet this. But he was like, I listened to what you guys were talking about on the show. I followed you on Twitter, and I saw that that was gaining steam. So I think he got it at huge odds. So shout out to this listener. This was great. But um, but that kind of exact order was one that no one was talking about, you know, even two, three weeks ago. Like, everyone was like, Hutchinson won. 
Um, and Stingley at that point was still a question mark where he would go. So um, again, just a, a great hit for one of the DFS uh, channel members for the Join the Foot community. Is this where I tell you that I might have hit on that bet? Did you really? I, so at the, at the end, when I when I felt the conviction about Walker and then I felt the conviction about Hutchin, I just sprinkled like three or four of those uh, just to hit. So yes, it wasn't a big hit, but it was one there you go. Nice. where I basically covered covered all of my exact orders and a little bit more on Stingley. And then Stingley went top five. So I think for me, the approach on those exact order is to find ones that have good odds and then just sprinkle a little bit here and there based on whatever your unit is. Is it $10? Is it $20? Is it 50 Is it 100 Whatever. And just kind of hope that one of them hits. And I was fortunate on that. I'll throw out one that I I did not feel like I was on, uh, but it closed a ton. And that's Quay Walker to be the first linebacker taken. Um, it is a little bit confusing because did you hear Goodell when he announced um, Trayvon Walker, what position he called him? No, he called him linebacker, and it it bothered mm. me. And it because he's an edge, he's a defensive end. Like, but when you announce somebody from the podium, this is what this team is telling you they are. So check the tape. But Trayvon Walker that was announced as linebacker from Georgia. Do we have a conspiracy here? I think I do. In the betting market? I, I think I Ooh. do. But Quay Walker was uh, plus 800 to be the first linebacker taken. Either that or I was crazy pills. I was just in a different astral plane when when the NFL draft was going on and I heard differently. But Quay <laughs> Walker, linebacker from Georgia, uh, was plus 800. I thought Devin Lloyd from Utah was a slam dunk and he was the betting favorite. And it was N'Kobe Dean, his teammate, that was actually the betting the, the second and he hasn't even been selected yet. But Quay Walker was the first linebacker. That was that was a long shot that closed, I think, at plus 175. So if you got Quay Walker, that was a good one. And I'll just say, if you somehow saw Cole Strange as a first-round pick, props to you because you couldn't bet on it. I'm not going to lie. When that pick happened, I had to Google who that even was, to be honest. I didn't know that player. I don't think the NFL, other teams thought that was even a remote possibility that he would go in round one. Um, and we give, you know, the Patriots a lot of credit all the time for being a smart organization. You know, they obviously take these guys that no one's heard of and turn them into superstars. But that feels like an insane reach to me to take him in the first round because there was a couple of videos of other teams, namely the Rams, who laughed out loud when he was taken because they thought they could get him at like pick 100 or something like that which obviously is, is much, much later than the first round. So um, a little bit of a head-scratcher, but I've lost lots of money doubting Bill Belichick before, so I'm not going to do it now. Right, and at the end of the day, draft value, a lot of people say, you could get this player later. There's so many scenarios that you don't know, just the teams moving up and what, where people have them on the board. So I'm not going to doubt Bill Belichick. I just, I you know, some people say he's not actually great at drafting players. I don't really care. Dude's one of the greatest coaches of all time he's good at his job so uh but you could not bet on cole strange first round uh or else i was i i frantically looked for it i was like was he like a ten thousand to one type of guy no 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 sports book had cole strange on there as somebody you could actually bet um not happen what would you say other than your boy cole strange was the most shocking first round pick well, I wrote down two here. The first is, again, we already talked about it a little bit with Jamison Williams, but no one was talking about the Lions as a potential landing spot. And obviously they traded up to go get him. 
Um, but when they were trading up, I think a lot of people were like, oh, this has to be for Malik Willis or one of the quarterbacks right. or something. So no one saw that coming. So that just was a complete blindside. I actually really like what the Lions did for their their offensive unit moving forward. If they drop a rookie in there next year, it is a dream landing spot for one of the quarterbacks next year. Unless Jared Goff turns out to be incredible, which I don't think is happening. But go, go ahead. I just, do you feel like this is like a cool spot for James? Like Jameson's a cool player. I'm, I'm, like, He's so cool, man. What, the Lions is not like when I saw the pick, I was like, man, this doesn't have like the same like kind of swag if he went to like the Chiefs or, you know, the Falcons. I think it'll be a little rough this year for excitement, but I'm I am thrilled about what the Lions are doing, which I never thought I'd actually say out loud. Like their young core that they have, aside from the quarterback, which is what I'm saying, next year if they drop a rookie in there and let them run on a rookie deal for a couple of years, it's super exciting because you have DeAndre Swift, you have TJ Hawkinson, you obviously have Jamison Williams. Amon Ross St. Brown was exciting last year. DJ Chark. Teddy Sewell. Yeah, he'll be gone next year. Uh, he's exciting this year, though, I guess, for a little bit upside for the offense as a whole. But yeah, big big time loser for DJ Chark long term. Um, but I'm excited about what they're doing. I think they're building really well under Dan Campbell. So shout out to the Lions. I'm, I don't get Jahan Dotson at 16. And maybe it's because I think he's a quality NFL player. It just feel like Washington traded back and they got someone who is same size as Terry McLaurin. Like I just I I don't really fully understand. Doesn't have the same speed. He's I think he's got good mitts. I know you have Penn State bias, so I can't even ask you anything here. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I just didn't understand their goal of moving back from eleven to 16 and I think getting a player that's significantly worse than who they could have gotten at 11 um, they were I will I will say this they were consistent about saying they were going to trade back and I wrote an article last week that says it's it's actually more interesting to me to find a team that's publicly saying something about trading back than a team that's willing to trade up none of us had the Lions like you mentioned as a team to trade up to get a wide receiver and yet Washington was one of those teams that said, hey, we're willing to trade back. I just don't think I imagine them trading back and getting Jahan Dotson. I think I, I think Burks would have been a better better fit. Yep, I agree. I mean, I like Jahan Dotson, obviously, as a Penn State fan, but I think we would all mostly agree that entering the draft process, there was a clear three or four top receivers in the NFL's eyes, and then Jahan Dotson came in late and kind of snuck up boards. So, I mean, of course, in a couple of years, we could look silly. But, yeah, I'm with you. I think he went a lot higher than I was expecting. I think we also have to move past our bias of mock drafts. And, like, routinely, Jahan Dotson was someone like, oh, he'll be there at 23, you know, for the Cardinals. Yeah. Or he'll be there for the Packers or into the first round. So, he, his prop, I believe, was 27 and a half. So, at the end of the day, this was a little bit earlier than a lot of uh, teams thought. Are there any day two prop bets still left on the board? Are you still alive with anything? Yes, I am still currently sweating a Logan Hall Who? under. Exactly. Dude, Logan Hall, you know him. Your favorite player in the NFL, or about to be. Um, defensive lineman who is, he was projected to go potentially late in the first. I got him at under, I think it's, I think I got him actually at 36 and a half. It's actually now at 38 and a half. So I still like it there quite a bit. I got that on DK at minus 115. He's a name that has been linked to a lot of the teams that are going to be up early in the second round. So I like him to go as one of the first players off the board in tonight's draft. All right, so I have a couple of long shots with quarterbacks. So I, I pretty much faded early quarterback in my betting. So Betts and I both talked about under three and a half was one of our 
clearer takes that it felt really firm all the way through. And that one hit in the first round under three and a half. But I have two that I took that kind of correlate that said, hey, if, if quarterbacks aren't taken, here's what could happen. So I have Matt Corral as the second quarterback taken at plus 1400. And it wouldn't surprise me if a team just says, hey, we like Corral better than Willis. Um, I think between Corral, Willis, and Ritter, any of them could go as the next quarterback, and it wouldn't shock me. It just kind of depends on team preference. So I have that at plus 1,400. And then this is one that I took after the Daniel Jones news. Um, After I found out that the Giants declined his option, they're going to need a quarterback for next year. And so I took Malik Willis to be drafted by the Giants at plus 1,500 as just a sprinkle of, this is what could happen if they don't take him. I don't. I didn't think they were going to take him at five or seven, but they have some picks in the second round. So that's one that's just kind of a shot in the dark, and maybe he's a better fit for their offense than Daniel Jones. No, those are interesting. I, I especially think the Matt Corral one is interesting because if there's anything that last night told us, it's that the NFL in general doesn't value these quarterbacks as elite prospects. So like you said, it's kind of one of those... We assumed it was going to be Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett, but now it's any number of these guys could be the next quarterback who hears their name called, and I don't think anyone should be surprised. Is there anything on day two or three that you that you really want to happen or you think is going to like match? Like, here's I still have this conviction, and I feel like the board's laid out where this is going to happen. Let's get Sky Moore alongside Pity City to play with Matt Ryan, and let's get him to Indy. I, like I would it. be super excited. I think he's a perfect fit across from Pittman. You know, you can line Sky Moore up anywhere you want on the field, and he, he's shown in college he can win in the perimeter slot. Um, I think he would be a really exciting option with an accurate quarterback in Matt Ryan. So they have a clear need at wide receiver. I think he'd be a good fit. Indy picks 42nd overall. I want to throw out Trey McBride. Uh, he's right there. He was right there on the line, I think, as a first-round pick for some teams. And his line is 50 and a half. I took the under on it. So I think you're going to see the tight end off the board, you know, in the early 40s. I think that there's a team that's going to say, hey, we need help here. So I don't know. Tampa Bay is a, a team that I kind of like with him. Uh, the Colts would be another interesting option. Like you mentioned at 42nd, like they have to replace your boy, Jack Doyle. So I think a tight end. And then I think we all want to find out what happens with Malik Willis. It just shocks me from a what I saw I didn't do many rookie profiles this year I had you know some other responsibilities but I did Malik Willis's and I've looked at all a lot of his film and it just says like I cannot see this guy translate to be a good NFL quarterback for fantasy sure we'll be talking about him but as like a this guy can be a top 10 quarterback I I just can't see it and I think the NFL confirmed what was my prior right it seems that way that's the point Time will, time will tell. <laughs> That's the point of this process, people, is confirming what you think is true, and if the NFL says it, that means it was true for me, and I feel good about it. Hopefully, Obviously. Hopefully you understand I'm joking. All right, <laughs> let's wrap up this segment by talking about what part of your process do you feel most proud of in terms of the last three months, us talking about NFL draft props, and it finally came to fruition. I think in general, we did a pretty good job of being able to filter out some of the noise a couple of guys we talked about already in the show, you know, Malik Willis, there was a lot of steam at two and we were kind of just thinking like how the quarterbacks are valued and where the lines are picking and it didn't make sense with how many needs they had. So 
being able to kind of filter through that was was good. Also, the Kayvon Thibodeau stuff, you know, there was a lot of back and forth. It was like early in the process, back in December, he was the favorite to go number one overall. And then all of a sudden, the market was like, he might slip out of the top 10. You know, he has character concerns and that gets overblown every single year. And we were like, listen, this guy is still a top edge rusher. He's super talented. Why is he falling so far? And we were like, you know what, let's let's get off that. Let's get the under five and a half at plus money. So that was good to see. Um, and again, it's it's a lot of it's super hard to get through like the noise and like following guys that you trust and being able to kind of accurately pick which matters. We fell into a couple traps this year, but I think as a whole, we were pretty good at that. I would say I, I'm proud of our Jameson stuff because I think it had some life. But in terms of the process, I really took a lot of time to kind of sort through uh, a lot of media things. I wrote an article that uh, it's called How to Sift Through Headlines and Tweets the Week of the NFL Draft. And I, I kind of pointed out some stuff. It was a different article than probably I've ever written. But just sifting through when a team says, we like this player, just asking yourself, what is a what incentive does an NFL team have to publicly share this information? Like, why would any team say, we pick at 15, we really like this player, when there are a, a number of teams before them and teams that can trade up? So just sifting through when you hear something from even a, a, you know, a beat reporter, you know, the Jets are a team that I feel like you and I talked about a lot, and I feel like the Jets had a different player every single week that was talked about as the favorite for number four. We liked Sauce Gardner there, but I didn't think it was a slam dunk. And at some point, one of their beat reporters said, there's no chance they're taking Sauce, or they're only taking this player. And at the end of the day, a, a team doesn't have the same incentive to say that type of stuff. So I, I think it's important to be able to, whatever you read, whatever you see on the internet, there's some bad stuff out there, people. Find out, is it smoke? Is it clickbait? Or maybe this team is just insane. And there are some teams out there that are not too smart that do that stuff. But uh, just sift through that, sift through what teams need, sift through, uh, watch for this team to trade up, watch for this team to trade down. There's there's so much more nuance that I felt like I learned this year. Is there any part of your process that you would just say, okay, I got to learn something? Yeah, I think in general, I was kind of looking at the bets that I made overall last night and tracking them. And I was like, man, I took way too many unders on draft positions, you know, like Devin Lloyd to go under. Obviously that was a miss. Um, I think I had a couple others like wide receivers that I missed on. Like at some point, players fall in the draft. Not everyone can go under their their prop, and I took way too many unders. And I think that is a overall negative EV move because when that happens, you're automatically getting a couple of losses. And so when you're thinking about trying to be, be profitable in this process, like again, not everyone can go top ten. But if you followed any of the media over the last two weeks there was like 20 players who were supposedly top 10 locks in the draft and clearly that's not possible so yeah i took way too many unders that's definitely a learning lesson um a big miss for me this year yeah you have to shift something in your brain i I felt the same way about the nfl draft because you and i always talk about like unders win people money because it's based on performance in a game like in a game if this offense doesn't you know work this certain way then take the under because it just didn't work out that way in the draft the overs in terms of draft position are actually what happens. So like for instance, when Evan Neal was the betting favorite and you and I were like, sweet, we're getting some good value that should have given us, you know, some indicators of like, okay, 
when he was at over one and a half, like that was his line. And I only took one of those. Wow. There, there, there's a huge chance. It basically means the rest of the board is open. If somebody drafts Evan Neal. Um, and I kind of laughed. I was waiting for that to cash after the first pick and it actually only cashes unless he gets picked. Um, so I was like, <laughs> why is this not cashing yet? Anyway, uh, yeah, overs, I think, in NFL draft is something we need to think about in terms of draft position and finding if these guys have a super high line. Like, uh, Iquanu, I think at one point was at like two and a half or three and a half. It's like taking the over on him made a lot of sense as well. I'll say yep. there's some first round fringe guys that I fell in love with because of mock drafts that I just figured a team is going to get Desmond Ritter. A team is just going to say at the end of the first round, you know, he's going to go there. And so I took a, a bet on Desmond Ritter to go first round or Christian Watson to go first round. And these players didn't hit. So I think for me, those fringe guys, I think there's a better way to assess those markets. Like I was already building in for quarterback under three and a half. I just didn't think it would be one uh, for wide receivers. The line was at five and a half for a while. And, and eventually I was like, Oh, there's going to be six wide receivers. Well, then when you start doing the math, you're like, well, Christian Watson probably is one of those players that's going to be pushed out. And I think it's right. I don't think he's a first-round player. I think it'll be interesting where he goes in round two. But it's just learning that part of your process, uh, how to how to do this. So we have a year until the NFL draft, and that's okay. But what we have coming up next is a different way to use your brain in the betting markets. We'll talk about win totals. We'll talk about forecasting the NFL. That's what we're going to talk about next week. And what does it mean to project something that doesn't start until September? How do you understand how to do that? And how does that filter in for best ball, for redraft, for dynasty? I'm super stoked to talk about forecasting and uh, how that's going to work. So, yep, I hope you guys have a great weekend. Uh, Bets, are you just going to be flying high? Oh, my gosh, dude. After last night, nothing can go wrong this weekend. Hope the listeners all have a great weekend. Um, one month until the UDK is out on June 1st. So get it, go get it. It's best ball season officially. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.